You are listening to the Corona Diaries, brought to you by Allegra. For more information, please visit allegralaboratory.net. Hi, everybody. This is Panagiota Cochila reporting from Barcelona, Spain, uh, for the Corona Diaries of the Allegra Lab. So we've been more than two weeks now in self-isolation and quarantine. Um, This past few days have been somewhat more um, bearable and have gone by faster, although time generally seems to be passing by slower, which is a weird um, weird combination of things or weird way to perceive time from one's home. Um, Spain has reported nearly 6,000 deaths from the coronavirus pandemic up to now and more than 70,000 people have been reported cases up to this day. So these are the numbers. And unlike other numbers that we hear from other corners of the world, from other types of um, tragedies and sufferings, these kind of hit a somewhat different vein. And not that they mean, um, not that their seriousness is more or less. Anyway, these are not I don't think that we can count uh, and compare, you know, lives lost, every life lost is uh, a huge tragedy on its own. But but somehow, because this is happening here and now, and because one of these numbers could be me or you or a loved one, um, I receive this news differently. And even if I try to protect myself as best as I can and, and my family... Um, and even if I want to keep myself calm, that um, things will be okay, uh, it's hard to not have a certain level of anxiety about what's going on. So I wonder what it is about this type of um, situation that we're living in, this kind of risk or threat that is different to the others, um, such as, you know, air pollution or forest fires or car accidents or um, the normal flu as you know a lot of a lot of times we hear comparisons to these kind of things and I'm thinking that maybe it's it's because governments have given more attention to it uh, more than other types of urgent risks that we are also facing both like in Europe and the world is it because it's a direct threat to our bodies is it something that we perceive as a, a much more direct threat or is it because we had too much trust in modern Western medicine and now we feel that this security, this uh, trust that we had is kind of uh, shaky and therefore we don't know where to place our, um, you know, our, our, our stability in terms of uh, feeling safe. And of course, you know, all this... Uh, being said, I'm talking from a position of privilege. I'm a European white person living in a um, relatively wealthy country. Um, and I don't have any debts and I have a good CV. And I say all this because I think that class and positionality matter in how we understand what's happening around us. People read a lot um, but a lot of people also are kind of overwhelmed by um, stress and information that is to do with the pandemic. Um, we barely have the emotional or mental space to reflect a little bit about um, how is this being experienced from 
people beyond us or even how our experience, what does our experience tell us about, um, not just about how this is going to go, but generally about the world we're living in. So definitely we see, I mean, the virus have, has, has transcended class barriers. And I think mainly because it basically remained an invisible and unknown threat for a long time before uh, people b became more aware of it and therefore acted upon it. And uh, I do think there's a certain class aspect to it. Um, we have seen people with certain privileges getting tested, um, whereas other people that really need to be tested cannot. We have seen people flee the ur dense urban uh, centers and going to their second homes uh, in the countryside or um, etc. But um, however, however, um, even within, let's say, uh, within certain places, we can see how this has affected people differently, even, even um, not only in terms of health, like who got to be sick and who not, but how they can deal with the situation of, of this uh, pandemic and the, and the policies and the, the, the social conditions that have cre been created around it. So it's different to live in a small urban flat with no balcony, with no uh, view of, of the sky, you know, um, and having four kids um, and 50 square meters. And it's different to live in a home with a garden um, or, or a terrace. Um, and also it's different, of course, if you have to go to work or if you can't afford uh, to lose your job um, because this is where your rent payment uh, depends on and so on. And we have seen that some countries have taken pretty progressive measures um, that was unexpected and rather, I would say to a certain degree, it is surprising to see how uh, governments now decide, you know, uh, freeze debts, free mortgages, uh, freeze mortgages, excuse me. And we even see like big, uh, big companies uh, being the ones who are uh, on strike for rents, like lately, I've seen, I've seen things um, circulating on the internet about how um, big chain chains in in Europe have started like denying to pay rent. Anyway, a lot of a lot of interest uh, observations that could be made. But today, I want to talk about how we adapt, how we adapt in this um, in the situations we find ourselves in, and. From day one, my biggest worry was how to juggle work and caring for my kid and satisfying our immediate needs, but at the same time, you know, carrying on with my responsibilities at work and making sure that everybody is feeling safe, um, that we're doing enough to protect ourselves, that we're getting enough information, that we're getting enough uh, rest and enough quality time. And, you know, a lot of, um, there was a, there was struggle at the beginning to adapt to it. I can say that, um, I've been very lucky to have very understanding colleagues um, and, and and supportive networks that help me um, have a clear mind and not a lot of worries around around um, my livelihood. So therefore, um, we could do it. The difficulty so far has been in negotiating time division with um, with regards to how we split our time so that we can care for our kid. Um, and we can fulfill our, our work responsibilities, which are ongoing. And I'm lucky that my partner and I are uh, 
you know, we still like each other to this day. We enjoy each other's company. And I'm thinking of people whose situation might not be like that. So what happens with domestic violence? What happens with um, with relationships that um, haven't worked bef- or were not, you know, in the best shape before? And what is going on now? What's happening with loneliness? People with um with mental illness that are living alone uh, and that dependent dependent on their um, social lives to cope. And so through these different types of thoughts about other people, um, I now observe after um, days of, of organizing ourselves in the house and working from home and so on and caring for, um, for our little one uh, 24-7, is that um, it really helped to pause uh, for the first week and consider how we're going to go about it and talk to the people, the, my close uh, friends and my, my, my family and the people I work with and say, I need time to adapt, recognizing that, and then spending uh, most of my time cooking healthy, you know, doing some exercise indoors, and paying attention to feelings and tensions in the household and giving them space and allowing people to um, to make mistakes and uh, being more understanding than perhaps I would usually be. Um, also talking a lot about the, our coping strategies, our common coping strategies. Um, this whole, this, this process of processing what's happening and allowing myself to do that has actually helped a lot to be able to be sane and maintain sanity and energies and um, and be able to actually now in my second week of uh, confinement be be productive and be positive. Um, also not listening to the news too much and avoiding too much online time, unnecessary online time and unnecessary also um, online meetings which seem to be, now everything has turned online, I find it also a bit overwhelming. Um, and yeah, I think that if um, another, let's say, thread that I want to touch on maybe in the next in the next entry is how, how what do we learn about care uh, during and through this 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 pandemic? Um, how how do we care for ourselves? What do the everyday practices of care? What is their um, centrality in life actually? And um, how little are they valued, how invisibilized they are, and how much more we need to bring them forward and make them a central part of our of our official or our recognized um, economy. Economy in the sense of of you know keeping our global or national or or um, you know planetary house in order. So this is the spirit of economy, and I think that this invisible work of care that we do. Um, has to be not even more visible, but it has to emerge stronger. The role of nurses, the role of teachers, the role of mothers and parents in general, and the role of um, those everyday tasks that are being assumed or are even deemed unnecessary, uh, and that in moments like this are, um, you know, are giving so much, are given so much weight. Uh, we need to consider what that means for our society in general, to be able to cope with these things, but also to to become better. So thanks for listening, and I hope um, you listen to the next one too. Cheers.